They listen to all his problems. They do their best to please. And even if they run the show, he gets paid for their ideas. Great work. And so long as he's alive, from nine to five, they'll take it all they can. But what will go on when the light finally dawns that it's time to get back at that man? Hard to believe that some things still haven't changed since that movie came out. Yikes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Forever Fangirls podcast. I'm Sheila Amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com. And I am Kimberly Amato and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok at Forever Fan Pod. Same handle, three socials. We are your hosts and we're glad you can join us because today we are starting a new series called Nostalgia versus Novelty. That is right. In this series, we will be discussing movies that either I've seen and Sheila hasn't or vice versa. And we're going to discuss what we thought of the film and whether or not the film still conjures up that nostalgia feeling. Yeah. And let's face it, I'll mostly be coming at it from a newcomer's perspective. Because there are a lot of movies out there that I haven't seen. Um, and in today's show, we'll, we'll be reviewing, as you heard from the intro, 9 to 5 that came out in 1980. We streamed this on HBO Max at the time of this recording, and I think I'm likely the last person who hasn't seen 9 to 5 at this point, but if you haven't and you continue listening past the banter, you will be spoiled. But in my defense, I at least know the chorus. It makes me laugh, though, that um, our friend Laura was reading the lyrics to you, like just saying line by line, and you had no idea what, what well, she was doing. it was the... I did not know the verse... That's I, I said, I know the, the chorus. <laughs> so anyway. But anyway, it is truly, it's really a catchy tune. It gets stuck in your head. It's, yes. What is it, an earworm? That's yeah. what it is. It's an earworm. Yeah. Um, but we decided to do our very first Nostalgia versus Novelty episode with this episode since we had covered 80 for Brady not too long ago and thought it was sort of fitting. Yeah. And we'll be, or trying to anyway, tie the movies we cover in this series with our normal episode based on genre or actors and the like. Yeah, so if you see a month where we're doing science fiction, we're going to try to do maybe a science fiction film that I've seen that Sheila hasn't or vice versa. Um, but we do have a lot of movies on Sheila's list, so I can't guarantee it's going to take only one year to get through them. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll, we'll start at the beginning, okay? Well, we'll, you we'll know. start now. Okay. So let's get to our very first nostalgia versus novelty episode. So here's the summary from IMDb. Three female employees of a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot find a way to turn the tables on him. Short, to the point, sweet, and frankly, what has changed? Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> right? So anyway, the way this, this show is going to be, the format is going to be a little bit different, where the novelty view will go first, and then the nostalgia view. Um, and at the end, we'll each give our rating and explain why we chose it. Yeah, the reason we want to do that is because whoever hasn't seen it, we want them to go first and explain why they either liked it or didn't. And then the other person who has seen it can chime in mm -hmm. and kind of add to it. Because let's be honest, if you've seen it and you, you know, at the end, you're like, okay, it either is or isn't mm -hmm. eliciting those nostalgic feelings. Right. So I want to hear from you mostly because like you said, it's your list of films. 
<laughs> but in, in your defense, you weren't in the country when 90% of these came out. That is true. Although in the Philippines, there are movies. That- I didn't say there weren't movies in the Philippines. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying you weren't in this country when the most of the films came out. And therefore, your words, you just didn't see them. Yeah, I didn't see them. But when we watched 9 to 5, the fact that it did have Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, and Dolly Parton, I was like, you know what? This has to be a good film. Apparently, I mean, it was Dolly Parton's feature film debut. Oh, was it? I believe so. I didn't even know that. I know that she wrote the song for it. Well, yeah. Right? You know, I, I said, we should see this. When we saw 80 for Brady and we were watching like a lot of interviews that they were doing, Lily Tomlin was actually saying that she didn't want to do this film. At first, she didn't like the certain situations in the script. Mm-hmm. And then she thought, you know, what am I doing here? I can't, I can't be in the movie with Jane Fonda, you know, that, that whole thing. So it was interesting to me to see the final product and actually think Lily Tomlin was brilliant in this. Wait, you're saying Lily Tomlin said she can't be in a film? With Jane Fonda or she can't pass up the opportunity? No, that she can't be like she was she was having self-doubt of what am oh, I doing here? Oh, she didn't here? think I, she was good enough. Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And this well, I was mean, like that makes 40, sense. 40 I mean, years later, right? But when you look at somebody that is as accomplished and, and you do have self-doubt, it's like imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But Lily Tomlin, I thought, was incredible in this. So was Dolly Parton. And I did not expect Jane Fonda to be the, you know, the demure, homely type character in this. I thought she was going to be like, you know, the blonde bombshell. bombshell. Oh, you were thinking because you've seen her in 80 for Brady and she's, I mean, let's be honest, she does go out and she's very active. Yeah, in, and in she was doing, you know, the, the Jane Fonda videos, right? She yeah. was all of that. So in the film, I was hysterically laughing at the marijuana scene where they just said, okay, we're just going to go and smoke this joint. It's funny looking back at it now. Oh my God, I was on the floor. But see, it's it's funny for me looking back at it now because I'm like, they act like it's such contraband and now it's legal in certain <laughs> states. So it's weird for me. I know. But the fact that they were just able to let loose, right? And just talk about- And ate everything in the fridge. Hey, you know, you get the munch- that is a That is a real thing. You get the munchies. You know, and they were talking about the fantasies of what they would do to the boss who was treating all of them just terribly. Yeah, so I was cracking up at that. And and then, you know, from there, the film kind of, at least for me, it, there was like a a lull in the energy of the film. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they were in the hospital scene and, you know, things, it started getting a little bit more slapstick. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I was just like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then I was thinking, how in the world are they going to get out of the situation where they kidnap their boss? And with that garage door opener that always lifts them (laughs) off the ground? That was actually kind of ingenious. That was. All Uh, I kept thinking about when I kept seeing that now, like when I was younger, I was laughing, mm -hmm. but now I was going, wow, that really must hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Just hanging from the ceiling. And could it really support his weight for that long? That was my other thing. I Maybe. I'm just saying it's... My head now as an adult Uh starts looking at it differently. Yeah. Well, the ending, I liked how they brought it in where they used his antics against him, Mm -hmm. right? He always stole their ideas. He always took credit for everything. And when he was gone and they were running the show, they made the workplace so much better, right? And he still took credit for everything because his signature, which Dolly Parton had perfected at that point Mm -hmm. because he had always made her sign everything anyway. Mm -hmm. He 
basically took credit for their ideas, got big promotions, and then was like, wait a minute, no, 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 I don't want that promotion. <laughs> yeah, he was shipped out to Brazil. Where so, he disappeared. Yeah, but, you know... It's the, karma. Yes, it is. And it it just, it at least, yes, I know this is a comedy and it's sort of fantastical, but organizations are made out of people. Mm-hmm. And if you treat your people well, then the company will just, will continue to grow and be successful. At least that's always my belief. Well, what is that? Um, recently, there's been tons of articles about four-day work weeks, about mm-hmm. a living wage and how... The work-life balance. You know, the work-life balance is being changed and it's actually being equalized. And by doing so, productivity is up. Mm-hmm. Businesses are making more money than they've made before, not by cutting costs, but by investing in their people. And when you do invest in your infrastructure, which let's be honest, people are a part of, you're going to have more success because you're going to have that solid foundation. And then those people are going to be in a better situation themselves and they're going to reinvest in the economy. It's, it's a cycle that we need to invest in. And the, when she starts talking about having the daycare on premises, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, the flexible work schedule, flexible work schedules where someone comes into works in the morning so that they can be home with their kids, giving people with disabilities the chance yeah. at a position because you know, Again, you know, diversity. Mm-hmm. That last scene was just incredible to me because, you know, idealistically, if that was to happen now, it, we would be so much further along. Well, if it had happened in 1980 when this film came out, I don't think we ever would have had the political downfall of, you know, yeah. rights and everything else that we have now. Mm-hmm. And what what was really interesting to me, because as you know, after we watched it, I, I did some um, a little bit more searching on the internet, it was actually the highest grossing comedy when it was released. Mm-hmm. But apparently they were nervous, and I put that in air quotes, because the leads were all three females. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't think that it would it would be successful. Well, remember when Aliens came out, Alien, mm. you know, Sigourney Weaver's the lead. Mm-hmm. And it did rather well. But if you if you look in the late 70s, early 80s, and even the 90s, it wasn't until, I'd say, Captain Marvel, which is the 20, 2019, 2018? 2018, yeah. 20, but it was around there, yeah. and, you know, where people started going, wait a minute, let's, we can really look at a film where a female-led film made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's a superhero film, but you looked at Sigourney Weaver, that film did amazing. Mm-hmm. And okay, it still didn't move the needle. You look at 9 to 5, that was great. It still didn't move the needle. Right. And I think that's the point, right? Watching this film for me, where it highlighted all of the the things that still are happening, Mm -hmm. right? 42 years later, after the movie was released. Back then, this movie was released to highlight all of the atrocities, and I'm calling them atrocities, that women had to endure in the workspace, Yes, we've come a long way. There's still so much to do. I think the the thing I felt... Now, I didn't watch this when it first came out. I was too young. Mm-hmm. I watched it years later uh, with my mom. But for me, what bothers me about this when I look at what they talk about is how many of those things are still here mm-hmm. and how many times I feel like politicians and um, people in power, corporations and whatnot 
they kind of wave their left hand and go, look what we're giving you. In the meantime, what we really need is in the right hand. But we think and we see this big flashy thing in the left hand that we kind of go, oh, look, it's a shiny bauble. And what we need is equal pay. Well, that's because the people in power are still the men who were in power then. Yeah. And switching slightly to the nostalgia side, it still shows that women can be a great team. Mm -hmm. They can work together. They don't need to undermine each other. Of course. And yet we are pinned against one another as if it's you or her. Why not both? Yeah. You know, and that, that film still showed that these women knew how to handle family, business, and let's be honest, kidnapping at this point. Um, but they knew how to handle everything and they managed it. It just literally was right there on film yeah. that women can do anything. And the other thing that I took away from, from the film was in the, you know, Jane Fonda's husband left her, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was having an affair with the secretary. That was very stereotypical at the well, time. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it does still happens. happen. Yeah, it still happens. Um, and the fact that because of her friendship with Lily Tomlin's and Dolly Parton's character characters, she was able to stand up. And when he was crawling back to her, because then, you know, things were falling apart for him. So he thought, oh, well, Jane Fonda will take me back. Yeah, I, The fact that she could stand up on her own and tell him, no, get out of here. Yeah. You know, yes, there, there was that scene where it was with the kidnapping and all of that. Um, but there's but, still, she stood up and said no because she had found a confidence in herself correct. that, oh, wait, investment in infrastructure mm -hmm. and friendship with other women gave her. Right. Again, reinvesting in your people makes it a better workplace. Um, but going to things that didn't trigger, I'll be honest and say this didn't trigger nostalgia feelings for me watching it okay. again. Okay. Uh, I liked it better when I was younger. It was very fanciful. It was very empowering. Um, but looking how far women have come and yet reverted, I look at this film and I say it doesn't go far enough. Mm. It's because people will look at it and laugh and they'll dismiss it because of the humor now. Yeah. Um, you know, kidnapping the boss, holding him hostage, settling. You know, it would be settled in two minutes. Let's be honest. If the boss went missing for that long, they would figure it out. Right. And looking at it now as an adult seeing what we women do have to face now, obviously they're not expecting you to really think you get away with this. Of course not. It's a comedy. But looking at it now, they would be turning around and laughing at it without seeing the underneath and mm -hmm. what matters because it was had to be presented in this way in the early 80s because of how women were perceived. Now we're perceived slightly differently. So the film, although carrying some weight, doesn't carry enough for what we're going through now. Well, I mean, I think that's why there are like a couple of um, documentaries out there about this movie because mm -hmm. the there is an actual, and I did not know this until I was looking, um, that there was actually a, there was a nine to five women's movement back in the 80s in Boston. Interesting. And so, you know, there there's a Netflix documentary actually that's, that we will link in the show notes page. Um, it's a story of a movement. So if you have... Netflix, you can watch the documentary and it actually shows, you know, the, the, how they started and then how the movie was inspired by that. And then, you know, up to the point of where they actually finally got a union to recognize them. And now they're the SEIU clerical union. So, 
it, it's a fascinating look to see how women can persevere through this. So maybe it's because I'm looking through a lens of seeing it at a time when it had that oomph for me. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to feel that oomph now from it. Because when when I was younger watching it, I saw three powerful women mm-hmm. taking a stand, fighting for who they are, and living a life they wanted to live, mm-hmm. you know, under their terms. Mm-hmm. And that's what I took from it. And growing up, that's what I tried to do. And now looking at it, I'm like, I, I'm struggling to live the life I want to live. Why? Well, because it's out of my control. I can vote how I want to vote, but I still don't have any reproductive rights on yeah. a national level. That's because my of gerrymandering. Marriage, gerrymandering, yeah. You know, uh, when you have Marjorie Taylor Greene saying people moving from blue states to red states don't expect to be able to vote. Like that's what? That's a terrifying thing. And that's, I think that's what the problem is. It's changed so dramatically with what we're fighting. Equal pay is still a problem. Mm-hmm. But now it's, okay, you don't even have the rights to your own body in certain states. Yeah. And that's you know, terrifying. Our marriage is being presented in such a way where... Um, were the reason children are growing up this way. Not the fact that education in most red states are pathetic and they're in the lower 50, you know, uh, undermining healthcare, undermining all of these things. If you make people live in squalor, how can you expect people to get out of it type stuff? Yeah. And looking at this film, it just, it doesn't, I guess for me, it just, it was funny, but it didn't have, remembering it and remembering how I felt when I first watched it and watching it now. There's a disconnect. There's a very large disconnect. And seeing these three powerful women, it no longer seems so powerful. It seems like they've accepted little things instead of fighting for bigger things. Whereas when I was younger, it felt like they were reaching for the moon. And I guess that's because of what's happened in yeah. politics and, and everything. And it's hard. It's, it was really hard for me because I really liked this film. Mm. So seeing it again was just so difficult. Yeah. And for me, it was because I was seeing it for the first time going, Oh, all right. You know, thinking about what, what they were going through then still happening now. And how- it makes me not want to continue with the se- this series because I'm afraid what else am I going to see that my memory and a rewatching are not going to connect. Well, we're going to have to find a movie that I've seen that you haven't, like, oh, Sound of Music, where it might be. The hills will not happen. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Anyway, so uh, do we have any other points? Well, we have, well, we do have great movies on the horizon, Mm. like, you know, Goonies. Have you ever seen The Never Ending Story? No. You're going to have to see that film with me. Anyway. I want to hear it. About nine to five. About nine to five. Is there anything else? I still, one of the things I love that the film did, mm. and nostalgia-wise, it kind of kind of hits the nostalgia feels. Mm. I love when a film during like the end will tell you where everything is, like where everybody went. Mm. I've always liked that about films, yeah. where they don't just, certain films, it's fitting when they end on like a black screen and you have no idea where they are. But sometimes in a comedy when they add like so-and-so went here and Mm -hmm. did this. And I like how they do that. Yeah, because it says that they continue on. Life goes on. Yeah, we don't see it, but they But it's always nice, right? Mm -hmm. To see that. Yeah, because life does go on. Dolly Parton had a, her character had a beautiful singing career. (laughs) Like that's fitting. Right. 
Oh, the one thing that I wanted to also bring about is um, there is another independent documentary okay. called Still Working 9 to 5, and it's currently making its way through the film festival circuit. So I have not seen it, but it's apparently getting great reviews. So I will be... Is there an article or an IMDb link to that? Um, there's a website, and we can link to the website. I'll be linking to whatever my wife gives me. That's what's going to happen, <laughs> folks. So anyway, um, I guess that will be our discussion. It's a very short discussion. I'm oh, sorry. Five. It's it's all good. I, I don't think that we can make it a, a, Although a huge discussion. I'm, I'm going to go back to one thing. That song still, though, speaking of nostalgia, whenever I hear it, you just have dun, to dun, sing dun, it dun, and dance to it. Like you start bouncing. You just start bouncing. And it it made it really still. I love Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. There's actually, um, and we'll link it to the show notes. There's we actually, will. Yes. There <laughs> is a rendition that Kelly Clarkson and Dolly Parton did of 9 to 5 that is in this new, um, this new independent documentary. So... It's it's a it's an interesting twist to it. It just it's a different. Oh, I'm gonna have to listen to it then because yeah. Kelly Clarkson's she just belts, man. I know she's awesome. Um, okay, but wait. Speaking of of Dolly Parton and renditions, have you seen Miley Cyrus sing Jolene? No. Oh, it's so good. Now I really want to show that to you, and I really want to listen to the, my Dolly Parton playlist. Okay. Well, maybe we can do that after this. So one good thing, after seeing this film, if Laura reads you or just says the lines to you, will you know the song? I will absolutely know it because it's been playing in my head over and over and over again. I will keep you updated, folks, if that actually happens. <laughs> okay. So that is our discussion, right? Yeah. Okay. So now it is time for our nostalgia versus novelty ratings. Ratings. Drum roll, please. So the novelty rating for me is 3.5 stars. Um, the music is very nostalgic. Wait a minute. Wait, I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm saying. I'm the nostalgia person in this one. I Are you cheating? No. I'm just saying that there is a piece there that's mm. very nostalgic because I know mm. the, the chorus. Mm, I'm participating in the podcast. This mm. podcast under protest. No, <laughs> <laughs> come on. Um, anyway, even though some of the scenes in the movie are quite outlandish, you know that's that's comedy, and at the time it wasn't taken literally, I'm not sure that it would be viewed the same now. However, that said, the underlying message of the film is still very relevant. Women are still not being treated equally in the workplace. And while we've made large strides to make the workplace better, we still have a very long way to go. (sighs) I agree with everything you said. But? My nostalgia rating is a 2.5. I kind of had that feeling. Yeah, you know, it's really hard for me. Mm. Um, And it sort of makes me not want to continue with, like I said, with the series because the disconnect is scary to me. Because you remember things a certain way and you go forward, but neither here nor there. When I was young and I was watching this movie with my mom, we, we laughed. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I felt empowered. Um, I find it so Im- implausible now that it just felt... The antics or the underlying message? The, well, the thing is the storyline. Mm-hmm. Leave out the underlying messages. The story mm-hmm. is so implausible that I think it, it felt, looking at it now, it felt forced. Okay. 
Now, the underlying messages are always important. And like we've discussed, they really still remain today. But the story is so thin. And like when you said it lagged in the middle, mm-hmm. that's because they had a peak and then they didn't know what to do. That's what it felt like watching it again. Whereas the first time I watched it, it was like, oh, you have the downtime because they've got to figure it out and mm-hmm. you're young. And it, is, it just it felt different. And then it felt like that that amazing cast was sort of wasted on these cookie cutter characters that deserved more. And again, early 80s, I understand female characters were not given a lot of depth, but seeing it now, it's hard. Yeah. I still laughed at certain aspects, especially that technology. Oh my God. Those typewriters and the covers. The type- I re- you couldn't I rem- move that typewriter unless you had like a forklift. Right. And I remember those things. I actually, so loud. I remember like working on those things. Like I don't remember having to work on one because we didn't have one in the house. Um, my dad... It was a teacher and he would come home and we got a typewriter. They were a little smaller, mm. um, but they had the corrective ribbon. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Because otherwise you needed the white out. And you had to oh, wait for it. You'd lean God. over and like blow on it for hours. Yes. But I remember my dad would be typing and it, it literally at like 11 o'clock at night and I'm trying to sleep and he's writing up a test. And my room was in like pro- really close proximity to where he would work. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember in the Philippines, I would go and visit my mom or my dad at work. They both had typewriters like that. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? Brick. (laughs) It's basically a slab of cement. Do you remember the the telephone ear things? Oh, my God. First off, the telephones looking at them are funny. But But I remember using them. Yes. Well, we had... Uh, wired telephones you had like you always got the 50 foot cable mm-hmm. so you could go anywhere but the thing that always made me laugh was that you had um this little cushion that shoulder it was like a shoulder cushion and prop. it would sit on your shoulder and then it had double-sided sticky tapes so you'd peel it off and you'd stick it to the receiver and you never really wanted to do that because you stuck it to the receiver when you went to peel it off it left all the residue mm-hmm. so you could we didn't have goo gone so you'd <laughs> stick it on you put it on it would stop your neck from hurting but the thing is it made it so bulky yep and it was so annoying. And if it was a hanging up telephone that you had it on, it was so heavy that sometimes the, the phone receiver would fall off. Oh, my God. And everybody like, who did that? No, it, because the stupid thing was like a pound of foam. Oh, my God. But yes, yeah, so the technology is hysterical to me. Mm-hmm. Looking back, you know, the TVs, everything, all of it was funny. Um, looking back at how they referred to smoking marijuana and everything. It, it's funny now because we're looking at it as it's being legalized. It's legalized in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the cigarette smoke was interesting. You wouldn't see people, you don't see that anymore for good reason. Right. But in the 80s, you still did. So there are certain aspects that kind of date itself mm-hmm. besides the obvious graininess. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. You know, because it's, it's made in 1980. But the fact that I'm older, they mention removing evil equal pay. I can't speak. Equal pay at the end of the film. The owner says, yes. we're going to remove it. Yeah. We're still fighting for it. Mm-hmm. We're still currently fighting for not only equal pay or the Equal Rights Amendment, but for rights to our own body's health care. Seeing this and seeing that they had more rights at the time than we do yeah. when referencing our health of our own bodies. Yeah. It's very hard for me to feel as empowered instead of feeling sad and seeing how far backwards we're going. And that, for me, made the film, it, it held the film in a different light. Yeah. At the time, I would have said it was a four. Looking at it from the future, it's still funny, but comparing it to what I felt as a kid, it's just not there. Yeah. Well, nostalgia, by definition, is, you know, bittersweet. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was a kid and I, I put it in a different light because I was so idealistic as a child and I was an adult and I've lived 
through a lot, it's different. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it does scare me to kind of look at what I'm going to be watching in the future because there are films that I hold so high and so dear to my heart that I still watch on reruns. You know, when you catch it and you see it like the last mm-hmm. couple minutes or whatever, that still means so much to me. And I'm afraid that if I watch it all the way through with you, that I'm I'm really not going to like them. And I'm very worried about that. Well, we'll see how it goes. You know, and, and maybe other folks will watch them and maybe they'll agree with you or maybe they'll see something different. Yeah, you know, I, I know I keep repeating that I'm worried about my nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Forgive me for constantly going back to that. Um, but I, I would love to know, and I'm sure Sheila would as well, if you see this film again, which we recommend seeing it again, mm-hmm. let us know if, if you've seen it again or you're seeing it for the first time, how it hit you and, and how you felt. We would love to hear from you. Um, speakpipe.com forward slash forever fangirls podcast. Um, you can also hit us up on any of our socials at forever fan pod, but please do us a favor uh, on your phone or wherever you're listening to this. Just hit the follow slash subscribe button, whatever the app has, and then leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, stay safe, be kind. And remember, we've got dreams. No one can ever take away. One day our ship will come in. And the tide's going to turn. But until then, we have to keep fighting for equality. Equality.